everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Three, two, one, and we are live, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, Frank Forza here with my friends Noah Green and Jordan Worth, another Everyman BJJ podcast episode. Good, uh, Happy Sunday, guys. Happy Memorial Day weekend. How are Labor you? Day. Labor Day hey, weekend. Oh, sorry, Labor Day. What, Labor Day weekend. weekend so far. This year's been such a blur, I can't get the holiday straight. Speaking of blur, uh, I'm putting on my other glasses that I can see, so I can see you clearly. Um, I just got new spectacles. So, You look good. You look, you look highly intelligent. Noah, like, <laughs> just dangerous. Like a, dangerous a, behind a the keyboard. A financial wizard. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to tell you guys, though. I had a um, – so I went to – yesterday I went to Trader Joe's, right? Normally Whole Foods is really my spot. Um, there's a lot of food at Whole Foods I won't buy. So even though I'm Mr. Health Conscious, there's a lot of stuff there that I won't buy that I don't like. But a lot of the organic and high-quality products that I like, Whole Foods probably has the biggest selection in most markets. After that might be like a Sprouts or maybe like a Great Farmer's Market and then Trader Joe's. So sort of that hierarchy. So anyway, we don't have a Whole Foods here where I am in Utah. Uh, Whole Foods would be like 40 miles away. So I went to Trader Joe's and bought some stuff there because some stuff is cheaper there. And then Sprouts has a bigger offering and like the produce and the, and the fruits and vegetables are cheaper at Sprouts. So usually I'll hit Trader Joe's get the deals there and then head over to Sprouts. So there's a guy there that is, uh, he like stocks the shelves at Sprouts. He's like 6'6". Six, six. So he, he looks like Michael, like a, like a Michael Phelps. He's kind of built like a Michael Phelps or even a Robert Drysdale, but bigger, right? Big, big in the shoulders, big in the lungs. And he told me he had, by, he's been taking up swimming. And I'm like, this guy is perfectly suited. His body to my eye is perfectly suited to be a swimmer. 6'6", 230, 240. 240 pounds. So anyway, he had his nose is a little bit off. You guys, we do this all the time, right? You're walking around somewhere. And when you've been doing this sport a long time, you automatically can notice some people move like a wrestler or they move like a fighter or they move like a jujitsu player or they have a shirt on or they have their nose is crooked or, you know, they've got some scarage or they obviously the most blatant, obvious one being cauliflower. So this guy, his nose, I can instantly see you know, his nose has been corrected or broken. I've had my nose broken. And then I could also see he has, he has more cauliflower than I do, right? And, I mean, that's the big problem for me is that when people first meet me, they're like, you know, I sound the part, right? If you talk to me, I might seem like I'm an encyclopedia of this stuff. And I've been, you know, I've been deeply involved in it, but I don't look the part. So there's sort of a disconnect sometimes for some people. They'll see me and they'll be like, if you didn't know me, Jordan, and you see me for the first time, it's like, all right, this guy's saying he's a black belt. Is this bullshito, right? Is this like, is this like, is he totally legit? Like, who gave you your black belt and whatever? So anyway, um, you know, I've been talking to the guy here and there whenever I see him. So I got to talk to him yesterday and I was saying, hey, listen, if you ever want to, you know, we got a few friends. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to meet up with you guys and do some training. If you have money, great. If you don't, then, you know, you just pay whatever you can or, or not. You're a cool guy. You're welcome to come train. So he's like, well, 
I'm not training right now. I guess the guy I've been training for like five or six years, kind of like you know, or even even Jordan early on, where the guy's been training off and on for five, six years. But his big reservation was, you know, he's like, Frank, I don't know if I want to focus anymore on jujitsu. I love it, but I always get hurt. I'm always hurt. I'm sick of it. I'd rather learn to play an instrument, which he's learning now. I'd rather put my attention on swimming. I, I just don't like being hurt all the time. And so I was only expecting to talk to the guy for a couple minutes, but I was so uh, captivated. This is a discussion that I like that I wound up talking to the guy. We probably talked for 45 minutes, right? Because I'm like, this is oh, him at God. work. You're talking to him at work. He's stocking no, shelves. He, he, he had gotten off duty. I was outside. I had right. purchase. He happened to be outside just getting off duty. And we, stumbled upon this conversation and and so it's it sparked the conversation of the differences in academies in in gyms as to injury prevention and how do we do that and the difference between say some gyms that are more shark tank oriented and some gyms that might be more we might say in the in the industry more family oriented or um gyms and so this guy had made up his mind that, okay, this is too dangerous. It's too risky for me to do this. I'm done. But there was a part of him you could see that really enjoyed it that said, if there's a way. And so I was presenting to him a way of, listen, it all starts with the instructor. And in your case, like Jordan, where you are with Ted Planet, it starts with the owner. Right. And in, in Casey's there. He's an he's an instructor. He's also the owner. So everything usually starts. You show me you show me who owns the gym. And in, in our case, in our industry, it's usually a black belt. Right. There's not like random owners. It's usually the person who's a, a black belt and has been doing it for a long time. is the owner. You show me the owner and the top instructor. I'll show you the culture of your gym. Right. It's trickle. It's usually trickle down. So. We got to talking about that. So that's really what there's a lot more to say about it. But that's something that is top of mind that I wanted to share with you guys and bounce off of you because we've all had that experience. I don't I don't know if Jordan I, I remember when Jordan and I used to train a lot at the garage and every once in a while Jordan would say, you know, your shoulder, I think, was hurt sometimes, Jordan. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you had you've had some little things, but by and large, guy in his 20s, was pretty flexible and and and. Uh, you know, Jordan doesn't get um, hurt a lot. I, I was I was hurt. I started jujitsu when I was 30 and I had a lot of injuries. And of course, back when I was training, we just didn't know any better. We just, you know, it was always there wasn't flow. There wasn't technique in general. It was just, uh, you know, it, it was it, there wasn't a size thing. Every day where you got huh? I said yeah, everyday every pohada. Everyday Bahada, yeah, that, that's what it was. That uh, what's that Homolu Bahals? But anyway, I, I guess I would bounce it off of you, Jordan. You you've got you know you're you're an instructor now, a brown belt, and what do you guys, you and Casey and the other instructors, have in place to reduce the? You know, there's always going to be the risk. I mean, this is a contact combat sport, and it works. So there's always going to be that. What do you do? What do you have in place to try to mitigate and reduce? The, the risk of injury. Um. So yeah, injuries happen because what? Uh, because what? Uh, excuse me. Injuries happen 
um, because of one of two reasons usually. It's usually because of the person did not want to tap and they have an ego or, or they had, um, usually it's the person's fault. Usually it's like the person didn't want to tap, they had an ego and they didn't, and that's the reason they got hurt or they were going all sporadic and crazy and they were like, like, like we say, like we were, they were spazzing and that's why a lot of the time they ended up hurting themselves. Or the other hand, sometimes it's the person attacked, like the person doing the submission that attacked the submission too quickly and then they hurt the person. And then it's of no fault of the other person. It's the person applying the submission that they applied the submission too quickly so they hurt the other person. Or the same thing, or that person may be spazzing and they dropped an elbow or a knee causing somebody else to get hurt. So usually what I do as an instructor before we roll is I say, hey guys, let's make sure that number one, we care about ourselves. And when you care about yourself, you're going to make sure that you don't get, uh, try not to make sure you get injured or hurt. And you're not going to, um, you're not going to have an ego. So you're going to tap as soon as you get put into a submission. That's caring about yourself. That's the number one thing is caring about yourself. So you do not get hurt. And then the number two thing is caring about your partner, right? Caring about your partner so that uh, you do, if you apply submission, you're not trying to, to hurt your partner. You're just trying to go and apply the submission properly with slow and steady so that you give your partner time to tap so that nobody gets injured. Um, that's, that's usually what I try and preach. So I'm like, Hey guys, care about yourselves, care about your partners, make sure nobody gets hurt here. And I keep it present on their minds before they roll. I'm like, Hey guys, before we roll, let's make sure we're aware. Do not hurt yourselves. Do not hurt each other. Make sure, uh, we're all friends here. This isn't a competition. Let's all keep it friendly. And make sure we're just trying to learn, and then and then I'll have them roll. So yeah, I yeah I usually just try and talk about it, address it before they roll, keep it in their mind, and then and then have them roll. Noah, your experiences, I guess, with injuries and what you found to help you mitigate that. Um, well, let, let me just let me just say real quick about how the culture is at Henzo's. Um, you know, there's a lot of, in, there's a lot of, uh, instructors, uh, flowing through there, Neiman, um, Igor, uh, and, um, uh, Rafael Costa, um, Hafa and, and some other, uh, other instructors, the way they typically, um, address it. The only way they address it is they just say, be, be, uh, be aware of your surroundings. So you don't hit others they don't address the they don't address the spazzing or uh or tapping out um early and often question um it's a it's a so that's not addressed formally um i mean there's a there's a code of conduct on the wall but at henzo's um that's that's the situation now for me i know who i roll with and uh uh, when I roll with someone new, I, I, um, or someone that I'm, you know, not familiar with, I, uh, I, you know, I, I tell them beforehand, like, look, you know, I'll tell them, you know, I, you know, uh, I, well, my first question always is, um, are you, are you training with any injuries? And, you know, I ask them that question. Um, and I think I've said on this podcast before, I've only gotten a couple of times I've gotten you know, smart aleck remarks. Um, but, um, I always ask the, I always ask the, uh, my training partner, 
And then whenever I also see, uh, I, because I don't, I'm not going, you know, I'm not going like max effort on anyone um, ever. Like I, I'm, I don't get, I don't get my energy level up that high where I'm trying to, I'm not trying to go white belt crazy. Um, so, um, but when I see those around me are getting a little wild um, and, and there's, there's space, um, my training partner, we typically nod at each other like, okay, yeah, let's move over there. Because you do have younger, more aggressive uh, young lions in there scrapping. Um, in fact, the very last training session when I was at Henzo's, um, it was, um, I went in, it was an eight o'clock class in the eight, uh, or seven thirty, seven thirty to nine. And it was the, literally the last roll of the night, the last five or seven minute roll of the night. And this, uh, this two guys, um, they had rolled earlier and I saw it and then they went back with the, to each other. And, um, I had saw a guy break his arm with them just going all wild, you know, they were just, it was as though they were going for the gold. Um, so everyone kind of backed off away, give them their space. You know, the blue basement is pretty huge. Um, but, um, those nights, um, like the seven thirty to nine class is not as busy as the, um, as the five thirty classes five, um, no six to seven thirty. So, um, awareness on the mat who I'm rolling with and those around me. Yeah. What I always wonder is what gyms have in place. Like, let's say, because there's a lot of times where you're in the gym and certain people don't want to train with certain other people, right? They're just, they consider them a high risk, right? So there's that you if you get, especially if you get into gyms where there's 50, 60 people on the mat and invariably there are people you're like, oh man, I hope I don't get matched up with so-and-so. Now, different gyms do that different ways. I've seen gyms where in my early days when I was training at Pedro Sowers, it was simply a rotational basis. You just, you know, 15 people lined up on this side of the mat and then right in front of them, literally on their knees is another group of 15 people. And when the round was over between you and them, you rotated one person down. Didn't matter size, didn't matter gender, mm -hmm. didn't matter belt level. That's one way of doing it. I've seen a lot of academies where they do it, where it's just, okay, the round is over, and the instructor yells, find a new partner. And you're scrambling to find a new partner. And I've seen a lot of instructors, even Robert Drysdale, where if you don't find that partner within like 30 seconds, everybody's doing push-ups or sprints. Like there's a penalty for people lollygagging, right? Because some people are like late to find a partner. So I've seen, you know, academies where that's the norm, where you just rotate, you look at someone, you nod at them. Jordan might be done his round. I'm done my round. I look over at him and I'm like, now a lot of times in that system and that kind of academy system where you're finding your partners, you've already went in before the first roll. You already, you're looking at who's in the class and you're already thinking, I, you know, sometimes you'll even call it, Hey Jordan, you and me next round, right? I'll look it over at him before the, we even start. And I'll say after this round, you and me, and then you're already lining up your training partners. But then there's the gyms where the instructor is going at the end of the round. The instructor is going to say, hey, OK, Noah, you're with Jordan. Susan, you're with, you know, Emily. 
you know, so-and-so and you're randomly matched up. And that's where, you know, it could come into your head like, oh man, I don't want to train. You're going to see this in a class, you know, in, in, in a classroom setting where people are like, I don't want to train with so-and-so because they're a spaz, because they're, they're not considerate, because we don't like each other, whatever the reason is. And that what's interesting about that is at what point does the student who is paying have a say in, hey, uh, Jordan, coach, I don't want to train with so-and-so. And, you know, and then and Jordan says, well, why, you know, why? Well, because he never washes his gi or he never washes his, right. his, his rash guard, or he uses too much force. He hurt my knee last time. Um, you know, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. he's too heavy. Right. He's too I have questions for you. I have right. questions for you. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 it, yeah. So, so, so let me, let me continue this. Just a so you have these different environments with different sorts of, um, protocols for how you match up. I was very lucky when I got my black belt in before, before June, 2010, which is when I got my black belt, I was scared to say anything. One thing that, you know, so black belt does a couple of things to you. And Jordan is, is not, he's getting close. A couple of years is going to have his black belt. I want to be there, Jordan. So don't just get your black belt. Like tell me or tell Casey to tell me like that you're, when you're going to get it, at least if you don't know, let's tell him to tell me. So I know, so I can be there since I've known you. But when you get your black belt, the one, the, the, one of the things that happens is, you know, of course, you, you wake up some days and you're like, you know, there's a couple of things. One is, am I really a black belt? I can't believe I'm really a black belt. That took a long time. I can't, can't believe that. That's awesome. I stayed. I stuck it out. Like, wow, pitch myself. I'm a black belt. Another thing is, ah, man, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I don't know if I'm even worth the black belt. Some students who are purple belts might be giving you trouble. And you're like, well, am I even... Am I even a real black belt? I feel like I don't know that much. I feel like the, the purple belts and the brown belts are giving me trouble. Oh, this really good wrestler who's a blue belt gave me trouble. And so then the black belt plays tricks on your mind there. But the one thing the black belt really did that was awesome is the black belt gave me the courage to stand up, you know, as like a 38, 39, 40-year-old, 40 41-year-old athlete and say, hey, Rob, you know, and I love Robert Dries. I have a lot of respect for him. But hey, Rob, I don't want to go with you know, let me pick my partners. I know how my body is. I'm working around injuries. Let me pick them. Now, a lot of places, they're not going to do that. Robert liked me. He knew I was a hardworking athlete. He knew I wasn't, you know, I wasn't loafing. I wasn't trying to cut corners. It's like, hey, bro, I'm dealing with my thumb. I can barely move my thumb. Like, let me pick. And in that case, I'm not saying Robert always does that. But for me, at least, as of one of his black belts and a guy who worked hard and a guy who competed, he was like, you know, all right. You can pick your guy. In the old days, brown belt level, it was like, no, you're going with who I say you're going with. You're going with 230-pounders. I mean, they had me go with a 300-pounder, a big bouncer. It, but when I was a black belt, I was like, bro. And when I was getting the injuries were racking up, I was like, bro, I need you to trust me. I'm, I got to kind of pick my guys in class. Now, having said that, he did that a lot where he would let me do that. But there were a ton of classes, a ton of classes, kind of a mix. There were a ton of classes where he was like, Frank, you and John, Frank, you and whoever, Frank, you're in this quartet. And there were people, there were athletes that were like, wow, this is that we're wrestling. We're doing a lot, you know, it's physical. And, and, you know, and they kind of want to say, Hey Rob, remember that I'm like kind of allowed to pick. <laughs> and so there were, there were plenty of times where it was like, no, you're going with who I say you're going to go with. But I felt like I got more say and I was brave enough to kind of have a conversation with them. Like when I was black belt.
So anyway, now, Noah, you had some questions. Yeah, well, yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, um, you know, th what, what I call this is your agency, you know, one having one have an agency. And um, yeah, that's a great culture, like gym culture or academy culture thing where it feels more like, you know, the coach is like, um, this is not the exact right Latin phrase for it, but in loco parentis, you know, in the place of a parent, or let's just say agency, what your agency is. And I, it's not been my experience uh, to walk through a door where there's a Gracie, Gracie name on the door and a Gracie on the mat where they will determine who you train with. You, and wait, I think – Let's reword that so people understand. You're, are you, you're saying that when you go to those particular academies, they, they usually assign you to your training partner. You're negative. That? Negative. So the they, opposite. They're, they're just find a training – round is over. Okay, find a new training partner. Yes, they don't assign. They don't get. They don't. They give you agency. That you have your own agency to choose who you train with, and and I think that um, um, you know I understand. I understand the uh, uh, that there may be desires to have, uh, you know, to have uh, looks with different training partners and all that, but. I do believe that we're grown adults. You know, we're, this is not a children's class and nobody else is paying for my medical bills. And there are some pigs on the mat, you know, in more ways than one. Oh, you, you and Jordan are, are, are bouncing out some Forza-isms today, man. Come on. He's got my code with the, the students and, the, and, and I love that. I'm like, I, he doesn't realize, but I'm like, I've had a little, little impact on my man, Jordan. So I'm feeling good about what he, how, what he's teaching to the students. Then you're telling me the medic—that's a—that's a forzaism. You know they're not paying for your medical bills. Come on, I've been. Yeah, that's that. right. They're not paying for our medical and bills, they're not, and they're not coming to the ER with you. They're not even going to visit you if you're overnight ER. They're not coming to visit you. They're not paying the bill. Yeah, yeah they're not even. They're not. Yeah, you know, I. They'll, you know, you get hurt. They're like, oh yeah, you got hurt. You know, because I mean, they're crazies. They're like, yeah, we, you know. See you in six months, Noah. We'll see you in yeah. Months. So I wanted to get Jordan's opinion about it, if I may, um, to know what your thoughts are, because wait, I think wait, wait, you're. Let, let, let's specify. I want to ask Jordan this question. I want to ask okay. you directly. So, Jordan, what do you do if I guess how frequently does someone not want to train with someone? And what do you do when they don't when they express to you or they don't seem like they want to train with someone? Does that ever even come up or they are people scared to probably say it? doesn't come up very often um yeah doesn't usually come up very often it has came up in the past and usually it's it's because of some reason they're like oh like that person's too much stronger than me or oh um i'm tired i just i'm gonna sit this one out i got that's that i get a lot i get that a lot oh mm. i'm gonna sit this round out and I'm like, um, you're going to sit this sound out, and you're going to sit this sound out? We can no. hear you typing, Noah. Stop, stop typing. I, I got a pen. Oh, no, no. I have the piece of paper in my hand. I'm just – I'm thinking. Sorry. I'm just thinking while you're saying that. I need something to touch hear, right now. We can hear your – we can hear you mangling that paper, choking. Sorry. I know. I, this, this subject actually is, like, a big deal to me, and I didn't even okay, realize we'll keep, 
Jordan, sorry. I'm sorry we interjected. Continue, sorry. buddy. Sorry. I was wondering what was going on. I started like looking at you guys. I was like, is somebody eating food? What's going on? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, like sorry. I mean, it sounded like a Snickers. I was like, it's, oh, it's, it's literally it's, a Noah's Target. Speaking in stick Snickers. No, it's a it's a receipt from Target, and I and I just you know this actually I'm going into myself thinking about thinking about this, you know how I feel about it. I got a little emotional there. Sorry. We got a yellow <laughs> jacket. We got a yellow jacket that just came after me. So if I'm if I'm wigging out, do we have a yellow jacket? So you're a little flighty. We just assassinated these yellow jackets that are just monstrous, and apparently one of them just came in. So they're aggressive. So if you see me doing weird stuff. Uh, this is a weird moment because you're messing around with Snickers wrappers or whatever you're messing around with, and then Yellow Jackets are coming in. To, <laughs> I'm, like, summoning so, anyway, I'm sum Jordan, summoning them. Sorry, Jordan. Sorry, 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 don't sorry, be, sorry. Don't be distracted by me if I get up and, and start killing Yellow Jackets. Okay. <laughs> yellow Jackets, you mean wasps, dude? Wasps? Well, yeah, I guess they're related. They're related, but... Uh, I, dude, I just hit him and I think I knocked him down, but now I've got It's okay, Frank. You don't feel it. When you, when you knock him down, you wonder where he is, right? So he's like, hey, I knocked him down, and you don't want to like climb into bed later, and then there's a yellow jacket in your bed. So. <laughs> 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 um, where were we? What was I saying, guys? No, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. How do you handle this? So, yeah. It doesn't, um, it doesn't come so, up much, but when it does, He's too heavy. Yes. He's too strong. Yeah. Those are not valid so, reasons. Yeah. Most, most Give me a real time, reason. Most of, the time, most of the time, it's because guys want to sit out. And that's when I really, really don't have any – I don't let guys sit sit out. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. you can't just sit out and not roll, dude. Like, if are, you're not injured, you're in, there's no reason for you not, not to train. They're like, oh, I'm tired. I, I'm going to roll next round. I'm like, no, you're going to roll this round. Just – just, just – just flow roll, you know. You don't have to roll super hard, but you at least move. At I never get. I never understand why guys sit out rounds. Oh, well, can you hear me? I can't hear you, Frank. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm, I'm uh, well, Jordan. Jordan, look at the yellow jackets. I can't. I can't hear you. Come on, Jordan. I got this. I got this yellow jacket. I hit him, and uh -huh. there's only one place. There's only one place the yellow jacket could have went, and uh, I don't, he just vanished. <laughs> it's almost like in the law of physics, it's or whatever some scientific law. It's almost impossible Jordan. that he's not. He's uh, somewhere. Yeah, you're back. Okay, go, Jordan. Okay. Frank's over there. Frank's over there doing wiggling. Yeah, go ahead. I'm saying if they if they sit out because they're just sitting out because they're tired and they're like, oh, I'm going to take this round off. I don't allow that. I say no. You got to keep going. Just flow roll, right? If they say they're sitting the round off or they don't want to roll with this person because the person is too much bigger and stronger than them, I say no. That's not a good excuse because you need to get used uh, to having like real practical jujitsu and having jujitsu in a real actual self-defense situation. You know, um, your partner is not going to hurt you, um, right? And I t I look at their partner like say like say the guy's like 130 pounds and they're 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 only choice 
their only partner in that round is like 220 pounds and they're 130 pounds. So there's about a hundred pound difference. Say me and Frank. I'm going to look at the guy that's 220 pounds and I'm, I'm going to tell him if the guy, if there's any problems or anything like that, if say this happened, I would look at the guy and be like, Hey man, you're not going to hurt him, right? You're not going to hurt him in this round. Right. And he'll be like, no, dude, I'm not going to hurt you. And then the other guy will be like, Oh, like, I just, uh, you know, then he doesn't have any excuses. I would just look at the guy and be like, hey, man, do not hurt him during this round. And then he'll, he'll look at me and be like, yeah, I'm not going to hurt that guy. And then, and then I'll have them roll. Um, the only time I've had uh, occurrence is I have had a student come up to me and they were like, no, I don't want to roll with this person. And I'm like, why? And then they come up to me on the side and they're like, oh, this person has personally injured me before. You know, I have... I have I have problems with this person. I've had injuries mm -hmm. rolling with this person before, and I've seen this person injure other people before. So I I I don't want to roll with them. In that situation, then I will allow them not to roll with that person. But then I'm going to take it take initiative to talk to the person who's known for injuring people and be like, Hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, why do you? Why is it known that you're like you're hurting people, you know, and then I'm also going to watch him roll that day. That's probably what I would do. If somebody, I, that's, that's actually exactly what I did. Somebody, this happened to me a while ago. That's why it's in my head. Somebody came to me and told me like, Hey, I don't want to roll with this person. I'm not going to say any names, but they came to me and they said, I'm not going to roll. I don't want to roll with this person because um, I'm, I'm essentially scared of this person. They, they've injured me before. I've seen them injure other people and I was completely unaware of it. I thought the person was, was pretty cool for my, from my perspective because they were just a lot a lot lower than me in jiu-jitsu so i would just trash them i didn't they were no threat to me so they weren't gonna injure me or do anything to me you know but apparently they were like a mat bully like up to, to lower belts and stuff i watched them roll that day and they were just like the people that were smaller than them or they were better than them they were they were significantly messing up you know like they were they were, they were just being mean i watched them roll and i could tell i i seen what the person was talking about right away and so I adjusted it to the, to the person and I was like, Hey man, like come over here and talk to me. And I was like, yo, like, why are you beating up on these white belts and like people that are smaller than you? Like you're doing things that are, that are bully move. You're putting way too much pressure in this area when you're way bigger and stronger than th the person you're applying way too much pressure on this, like Americana from the Mount. Like you're like 200 pounds, dude, this person's 130 pounds. Why are you holding somebody down Americaning them in the Mount and like folding, folding their arm backwards? Like, like yeah we get it your your two arms are bigger than their one arm like so sometimes you you just gotta enforce enforce things like that if that is to happen you know you gotta make sure the the mat etiquette and everybody um ev just everybody's friendly with each other you know you gotta make sure nobody is nobody's got like a chip on their shoulder and they're trying to hurt other people you gotta you gotta make yeah, sure I, that I, that's avoided at all times my my personal style when I'm running a class is to be proactive, to be, to assess things on the front end. So even at the beginning of class, like let's say that we're in a class, you know, the more advanced classes you have, right. Where you have more higher belts, the more inclined mm -hmm. I am to say, just rotate, pick your partners. If it's a smaller class and especially if there's a lot of beginners, I want more control over that. And I want more control over who rolls with who, and I'm now using my intuition. Some people might be on that mat. They might be a newer belt. Maybe I haven't even seen them roll. And so now I've got to sort of assess body language, 
their temperament, how they're breathing. I've got to look at things and say, you know, maybe maybe the guy or told me before class he was a wrestler, a D1 wrestler. So now I've got to start mentally calculating, okay, can I trust this person I've never seen who's pretty new to roll with some of my lower belts or some of my smaller students or some of my, you know, some of the women and females I have in class. And I like to be proactive and sort of have control over that to where, and sometimes what I'll do in a smaller class setting is rather than just have it be where, Hey, just rotate with whomever you, you want, or even where I'm, you know, I'm matching them up. I'll, I'll, I might have them. If there's a guy who in there, who's a wild buck, I might have him roll with the same person two or three rounds. In other words, hey, Jordan, you're with so-and-so again, right? And Jordan might be thinking, I just went with so-and-so, or I already went. I would with hate him. that. I would right. hate that. Be- not, not because of the, not because of the, the you know, there's not a, I, you know, I'm just going to speak freely here. Um, to me, I probably wouldn't come back. I wouldn't come back to that gym. I would hesitate to come back. Like my 30 days is up, I'm going to come back. Um, because, um, I, I don't think, I mean, let me, let me, let me condition, let me put some conditions around this so you understand. All right. Um, at, at Henza, now this is just a different system. Okay. Different You're school system. You're talking about a guy who's got over, to my knowledge, over a thousand students, right? He's so, got, he's got a roster of black belts and he's probably one of the biggest names in jujitsu and he's of the lineage of the, you know, the, the, the royal family of jiu-jitsu i mean it's it's a it's a you know it's he's got a good setup there you you can do more of that but well i was I think, just going to say this let me let me give you a piece of information here that that'll help you know um there is a there is a a room set aside for white belts and there are two classes in the morning one class at noon, at lunch and three classes in the evenings. There's one, two, three. There are six classes a day for white belts to go to. Six classes a day, Monday through Friday, with like a machine. Like you, you walk into Hens's at any time, uh, and you'll see you'll see this the uh, seven a.m. class, the eight well, a.m. You know, class. Let, let's not take and, time with that. Tell me. No, no. But I, let me finish this. Let me finish with Tell this thought. I know that they do it differently. Tell us specifically the the why or the rationale behind the objection. And and the and I was, the the other piece of information I want to give you is that the, any white belts that are in the in the main blue area in the main area, they have three stripes. They have uh, three stripes or more in that system. So they're and, and so when they come over and they come in. Um, you know what, you know what, if you roll with them, you know what you're going to, you know, you expect to see some more athleticism or more physical, you know, see some of the traits of the, of the, of the new guy and even blue belts, you know, the new guy stuff, even up uh, a couple purple belts too, like that. But, um, but the only point I want to say is that is after, if you're in that main room, I think the mat kind of controls itself because, uh, you know, like if there's like a a smaller guy, like let me talk about Roberto. Roberto's like he comes up to my, I mean he's small. He's a small guy, okay. And I he's a purple belt, and I roll with him. And um, you know, I early on I was I was a bit aggressive. 
because uh, he was beating me, and I was like getting frustrated. That that was my lesson for me to learn about with him. Um, and I, I apologize profusely. And Roberto, I apologize for me being rough before. I, I think every me, you know, tell us your objection though, though, uh, no, of, of being appointed. Your, your, your objection might be that you object that the power is being taken from you to decide who you roll with the agency. That's that's basically your core objection. Uh, that is that is my primary objection because right. I, now, here's when why you've got people in there when you trust the room and you've got enough high belts in there and you've got people that you trust. Obviously, it's easier on the instructor to just be like find a new partner. If you have a room full of 50, 60, 70 people, the instructor doesn't want to sit there and and spend five minutes saying you with you with you. I mean, it's 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 too time heavy. It's it'd be an annoyance. But when you have smaller class settings or you have a lot of beginners in there, and especially people that maybe aren't known quantities that are, you know, two or three people that are new day. I want to watch who that guy gets paired up with. I don't want to look over and he rolled with a 120 pound woman and now her knee or her ankle is broken. I've got to think about the liability of that. I've got to, I've got to gauge the temperature in the room. There are plenty of rooms. I mean, Evan Dunham's by and large, you know, it's pick your partner, Chris Engel in, in Vegas, pick your partner, probably pick your partner at, at um, 10th planet. Drysdale is a lot different. Drysdale does a lot. And again, he has different instructors and he's had instructors like Sonny Nahara who are more pick your, find your training partner, pick your training partner. Drysdale himself, when he runs class, a lot of times will put you in groups of three or four, or he'll he'll decide your next round. That's his way. In wrestling mm-hmm. mats, your wrestling coach at the at the high school level, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of it just so it just sort of works out this way where a lot of the guys wrestling will be matched up with someone within two or three weight classes of you, right? So you'll see a hundred and you know, the, the 140 pound guys are with somebody up to 160. They could roll with a 125, but they're usually a two to three within two to three weight classes of you. Co- collegiate level, a lot of times they're choosing your training part. You, you're this round with whoever, right? They're choosing or they're choosing the groups you work in. Um, you might be able to choose your drilling partner, right? In a wrestling environment, a collegiate wrestling environment, you, you might, you have the power to choose that. So some rooms there's, there's both, right? You can choose your training partner, but sometimes the coach will choose your group of three or four or he'll choose your next round at collegiate wrestling. So what I'm saying is it depends upon the circumstances. I, you know, I haven't been the head instructor at Drysdale's where there are four or 500 students where you have a lot more advanced students. And when you have that, even when you have beginners, they're pro- they might not be my thing because I've got blue and purple belts that can train them on the system. I don't have to go to every wild buck white belt and say anything. Why? Because if I had Jordan and he's a brown belt or I have a blue belt, my blue belt's going to take care of that for me. So I don't have to micromanage that and worry about that on a control level because I've already got lieutenants and captains that take care of that, which Henzo Gracie has. So you can give more control when you have a more mature school or you have advanced belts because they become the enforcers. They become the teachers. They enforce the code. They, they make it so that if people are wild, they take them aside. Krenzo doesn't have to go in there and do that. So that's what I'm saying to explain that. I'm well aware of the temperature of the room. I can tell before anybody rolls most of the time who's going to be wild and who's not. I can tell that by body language, bro, with a high degree. How spastic is this guy? His spastic ratio. I can look at the guy. I can watch how he breathes and tell most of the time. And okay, Jordan. 
And listen, <laughs> if I see that guy, if I see that high-risk guy coming in, Noah, you think I'm going to just let him train with whoever he wants? I'm not going to. I might not even want his business. I might not even want his business. I don't want. I wouldn't want everybody's business. So for me, with the liability, with the risk of somebody going mm-hmm. to the um, yellow jackets, but I'm I'm going to control that risk. I oh yeah, no, I, I yeah, I understand. You're it's a risk management strategy uh, for for academy where you have a high ratio of Jordan. Jordan, I think your audio is out again. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, you're good. Okay, yeah, it was just a second. That was a concern. Yeah, that's a great. That's a fair point. Um, fair point, Frank. About about because let's, uh, let's risk management strategy. Let, 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 let's imagine the other extreme. Let's imagine if I went to a to a to a pure pure agency, meaning it's always agency. It's always pick your own partners. Let's imagine I do that. Except you know for white belt. Do you know how many people are probably going to, you know how many injuries are going to happen that I probably could have prevented that my instincts with what I'm doing, you know how many I probably could have prevented that are going to happen? I think, see, this is the interesting thing that I bring to it. I bring an encyclopedia of 34 years, right? 34 years in combat sports training of watching it, participating in it, studying it, competing against the best, okay? And so we got 34 years of my data in my brain. And in my opinion, in my opinion, in my brain, in my data, most injuries, most serious injuries are preventable. Let me repeat that. Most serious injuries in a combat sports setting, I would say the vast majority, meaning 75% or so, not even just 51%. My brain's data says 34 years of experience, what percent of major injuries that I saw where somebody was out for months or six months or they quit? The vast majority. Now, do you think that I'm going to give up all of all of the control as an instructor and all of the anecdotal evidence I have and all of the all of the experience I've accrued and just be like, pick your next partner? That's easy for me, Noah, right? That's easy for me to do that. But then my brain says, wait, Frank, we know that 70, roughly 70, 75 percent or so injuries in my brain are preventable. When we, if we backtrack and we put them under a microscope, we're like, damn, this was stupid. OK, now, given that. Right. I have to take some agency, Noah, like when the room is not like at a, at like I want it to be like with Henzo. He's got a good setup there. So, yeah, I, I love. I love the pick your own partner thing like you. I love that. Okay. I love the idea of it. But if I had to look over and see my 120 pound blue belt girl who just got smashed by the, you know, the, the, the day one or week one, you know, uh, you know, Marine or division one wrestler who you're, and you're thinking, what the hell are they even doing rolling with each other? Like, what the hell is that? Right? Like one of us should have broke that up. Right? Like been like, that's a bad idea. Right. Let me tell you, this is one stupid injury I got. Okay. Now this was, this was my fault. When I was, when I was coaching wrestling, uh, I coached rec wrestling. And one day I was in there training with one of the assistants and there was a weight bench, you know, you, you bench press and there was a weight bench near the edge of the mat, like near the edge of the mat. So like idiots, we're just thinking like, you know, uh, well, we're going to wrestle, but we're not going to, we're not going to go into the, to the, to the, to the, you know, the, the weight bench where you bench press weight. 
So we're wrestling, we're wrestling, wrestling. Anyway, we get into a scramble. My leg swings and it hits the uh, it hits the it hits the uh, the bench right the the, oh, bench. the metal and bar. To make to make matters worse, there was a nail sticking out, and this nail went right into my into my shin, and it was squirting blood like a fountain, right? Like the blood, oh, yeah. squirting like out of a fountain. Now, of course, like a wrestler. I just went, I didn't even wash it at that time. I went and taped it up and we were back wrestling, right? But now you have silliness like that that happens where you're thinking, who in the world would put a weight bench here? Why didn't we move it? Why were we idiots? But again, uh -huh. to our point, what, what Jordan is, was shaking his head at too, it's like, that was preventable. I had to get a tetanus shot for whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal. That was totally preventable, right? A lot of stuff is the major stuff. I'm not talking about the nicks and crannies. Stuff's going to happen. Jordan, maybe he hooks me. Maybe my knee's a little bit tweaked. But like he said, um, now, as an advanced athlete, I, I already know. If I roll with, with Jordan, and I've been training with Jordan for years, right? I know Jordan does heel hooks. I know he does, you know, twisters, right? So I know yeah. that if he gets me in a – I'm a, you know, as an advanced student, if he gets me in a twister before he even gets the neck, right, before Jordan even gets the neck, I'm already thinking, like, bro, I already know – that Jordan does twisters, and I know when he gets his, he gets that one hook in and he's going before he does. But hey, uh, if he gets that twister and you wait a second or two or three to tap, well, that's a lot on your spine, right? And and like Jordan was saying, whose fault would that be if Jordan twistered me, right? And I said the next day or the next a month later, bro, my spine still hurts. Like Jordan was saying, whose fault is that? That's my fault. I lied because. Yeah, huh? I said what it's a fine line. Yeah, but it, it's we're talking about ethics here, by the way. We're talking about ethics yeah. again. But but I would I would make the argument that it's probably my fault as an advanced student because I know Jordan does heel hooks. I know he does, you know, whatever. And I know that in those situations, you got to be ready to tap. Like you don't have there's certain moves that you don't have the luxury of. Well, do I want to tap? Hold out a heel hook. You better if it's if it's in there good. You got a split second. You better tap. Arm bars, the best arm bars out there, are not they're not hand taps. They're verbal taps. You get a guy or a girl who's got phenomenal arm bars. Those are tap tap tap. You can't tap quick enough because they they're tricky with them. They're so usually they're so they're very explosive with them. A lot of the people that are the best with them. I'm not talking about a mounted arm bar where you have time whatever, but arm bars from other different angles where they're maybe you know they're from from quick scrambles or something. Those arm bars would be very quick. Now, that is an awareness thing, though, where, again, let's just say that somebody isn't that, doesn't have a lot of experience, Jordan. I mean, Noah, they might not know. They don't have the awareness to tap quick enough, right? Now, you're, the other side of that is you're hoping, like Jordan was alluding to, you're hoping that your advanced student. Now, I think we agree on this, Jordan and Noah. One thing we do agree on is, Higher belts normally don't hurt lower belts, right? In general, yes. in general, mm -hmm. the higher belt is the lowest risk, you know, in the class. Purple belt, Bob, in general, the risks get lower. The odds that I'm going to look up and my purple belt or my brown belt or my black belt just hurt the white belt are slim. And when it does happen, to Jordan's point, it's probably that the white belt was being such a wild buck that the purple belt or something had to use more force and didn't, you know, and, and so it's probably that this, but again, I want as an instructor, I want to be able to look at the room and see this and even anticipate, you know, 
and and just even anticipate Noah. Do I even want this guy or this girl's business? If they have a certain mentality, do I even want their business? That's me. I'm not saying that's the norm. It's not the norm. Not the norm. But I don't want some people's business. That's just me because I think that they're. I remember even at Evan Dunham's, they had a guy that they they had to ask him to leave um, because he had he was you know like Jordan was articulating. This guy had just hurt a lot of people, and Evan's a very patient guy. Um, but it had just you know it boiled over. Me personally, I probably would have an even quicker leash. Because I think that 98% of people in most gyms are not, they're just there, they're kind of like you know, they're professionals or their money is made somewhere else. This is the thing. Anybody who's ever been injured, and Jordan, God bless you, because you've always been healthy, but anybody who's been injured for like, had to miss training for three months, four months, six months, nine months, whatever. I mean, you can always still get on the mat. That's fine. You can still get on the mat. I'm not saying because your shoulders, whatever, but Getting on the and you can get better. You can get better even when you're injured and you can work other things. But guess what? It still sucks, especially if you love training. So we we have to do everything we can because a lot of people will just quit. They'll be like, bro, I have they want to train, but they have work. They don't want to be, you know, when you have a major injury and you have a job, guess what you're doing while you're at your job? You're thinking about is my knee gonna be okay? Uh when's what's the result of the x-ray? How much is that bill gonna be? It'll take, you'll spend weeks being distracted from your work, worrying about, is my shoulder ever going to be okay? What's that thing sticking up on my shoulder? Is that ever going to be okay again? This is how 90 some percent of people think. So I have to be proactive on the front end to take account of who in the heck is in that room. And do I have enough, like what Henzo has, advanced students to take care of it for us because they know how to do this. That's just my that's my mental calculation when I'm in a room. And I'm normally not, I don't have 500 students or 400 students. Well, 400 students don't show up at, at uh, yeah. 730 at night. And Henzo's, it's usually the pros well, trying to sneak away. I'm talking overall, he's got like over a thousand students, right? Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, I know the cards out front are amazing. But, you know, it's going to be a while before I get on those mats, I think. And um, I, I don't think those mats have opened up yet. My all my geese, except for one, like little cheapy gee that I got. All my geese are there because uh, you have laundry service for sixty bucks a month. You know, in New York, <coughs> you don't have the luxury of. Uh, in your apartments, you don't have the luxury of having a, a washer dryer. So uh, that sixty bucks a month is comes in really handy for them to. I want to say one your, more thing. I want to. Yeah. I want to say one more thing for thirty seconds. This is what's fascinating, and I understand where you're coming from with agency and choosing your partners. What's interesting is in the occasions where the instructor picks your training partner, there's two types of instructors, and I can understand why you one instructor could increase your risk of injury by putting you with people because he doesn't really care. He's just thinking, eh, Bingo. You know, you're the same size. So there you one go. Instructor, one instructor who's not mindful, who's not looking out for you, who's just like, Noah, you're 230. Go with these guys. They're all 230, and some of them are wild. You've got that instructor, and there's a lot of them that just indiscriminately, hey, Noah, go with whoever, and they don't care. They're not thinking about risk of injury. They're just looking at the size. They're looking at the belts, and they just throw you with them. And so that is scary, 
right? That's a scary scenario because you've got those instructors who, especially if they came from a school where it was kill or be killed and they just throw you with whoever and they don't care. And that's a lot of them. And then you have the other instructor who may be doing that, which is for a mind for, hey, Noah is whatever, 30 some years old. He's this, he's this great forensic accountant. He's the great, you know, great account executive and numbers guy. He, he doesn't, you know, I don't want to get him hurt. Let me put him with people where he's going to have good roles and he's not going to get hurt, right? Or, or the risk of that injury is low. And so I can see where you're coming from. The instructor who's more mindful is saying, I just, I'm actually protecting you, Noah. Or this is what Drysdale would do sometimes. Sometimes what they'll do is the instructor, before assigning you, who's trying to protect you, will say, Noah, who did you want to go with? That's one that happens a lot of times, even when there's, even when instructors are matching up, they'll look at you. And, and so they're actually working choice in the equation. I'll look at you and say, and now I'm saying, hey, I'm, it, rather than me pick, I defer to you, Noah, who do you want? That happens a lot too, where the, where the instructor is putting certain people together sometimes because he knows that someone can hurt, but then he'll look at Noah and say, happens a lot. Noah, who do you want to go with? And then you get that agency that you're talking about, which is probably how I would handle you as a blue belt, you know, and, and that's what I was, Noah, who do you want to go with? Trusting your judgment better than mine. Yeah. You know, I just think like, you know, um, in the locker room, you know, you hear guys setting up, you know, who they want to roll with that. Yeah. You know, yeah, let's roll together. You know, third, you know, I, you know, whenever like there are celebrities there, you know, like, like Bourdain, you know, guys are, you know, getting their spots with each other. Um, you know, if there's a celebrity in or someone visiting from out of town and, you know, yeah, the, a lot of that stuff's happened. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of uh, fashion models that come in. Um, so, the, but they'll go to white book class. You never see them. <laughs> they'll never get to, they'll never get past, you know, a lot of it's, it's when, when, just when you're, it's just when a, you're Jordan's age. The beauty of being Jordan's age is you don't care about Jordan's going to roll with anybody. Jordan doesn't, you know. I've never. Yeah, seen he Jordan heals. Jordan. Yeah, he Jordan he heals like he heals like he's you know. We could break his arm on on yeah. Friday on Monday. He's like, yeah, hey, it's healed. I can actually yeah. use it again. And, and when I was when I was twenty <laughs> something, I was the same way. Jordan just takes her takes names and collects you know whatever when he just collects feathers he, he he's he's down to roll with anybody and when i was in my teens and my 20s I, I was the same way he doesn't care you know and and he he knows how to not get hurt and jordan also knows how to not hurt people um and and he's speaking a gr- very guys, good training partner huh speaking of guys uh i gotta get going in a little bit in a couple minutes but yeah. on that same topic of me rolling with a lot of people uh, I figured it was a good idea to bring up. Um, <clears throat> I'm competing. I'm doing a big, big tournament, biggest tournament of my career. Really? September, September 19th in a couple days. Whoa. What is it? It's called the Sin City Submission Series. Um, it's a 16-man bracket with a $200 buy-in to win $2,000. And is it all weight? Is it all weight classes, or are they are they have they broken up into different weight classes? There's two weight classes. There's a 155 division and a 175 division. I'm doing the 155 division. There's a bunch of good guys doing it. It's it's 
uh, it's not any belt division, so it's just anybody who pays to enter can enter. So it's all there's a bunch of good black belts doing it. Um, have you heard? Uh, Leo Leo Domingos is doing it from Drysdale's Papa Domingos brother. Um, Keith Kikorian's doing it. This guy from um, your gym, Noah, named Robert Deagle. He's a brown belt. One of you guys' best brown belts is doing it. A um, bunch of other guys. Very cool. Bunch of black belts, bunch of really good brown belts. So. Is it going to be televised, Jordan, or I mean, uh, not? I mean, you know, somewhere on the internet for people to watch. Yeah, it'll be streamed. Streamed, yeah. Cool yeah. on Flow Grappling, or not on Grappling? No, I'm not sure where it's going to be streamed at. You could check their Instagram to figure that out. Um, All right. Sin Mission Series. All right, but definitely looking forward to seeing seeing this happen. Um, yeah, man. Definitely looking forward to it, dude. I'm going to win for sure. I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good. Feeling really confident, strong. Uh, my game's been feeling real technical when I've been rolling, man. So nice. I, 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 I'm going to win this tournament, man. I know for a fact. It's going to change my life. Very cool. That's next. Uh, that's a week from this coming Saturday. What time? What time? Do you know? What time start? No Location? Idea, brother. I don't I don't know if I gotta be 155 the day, day before or the day of. I don't know what time it is. I don't know where it's at. I know it's somewhere in Las Vegas. All I know <laughs> is I'm gonna win, and that I've already paid my dues, and that nice. I can be 155 pounds when I need to be, and that's all that matters. What are you weighing nice. these days, Jordan? Normally you were right around it. Do you have a little bit of weight to lose now? I'm kind of heavy right now, Frank. I've been bulking up, my man. I've been doing calisthenics. I've been eating a bunch. I've been, I've been doing, I've been lifting right. I'm walking around at like 165, so I got to cut a little bit. Okay. Eating ice cream. This is COVID, Jordan. Cream, right? Exactly. This is COVID cool. 2.0, Jordan. Yeah, we, we, we did the deep dive today on the ethics of uh, choosing your training partner and, and injury prevention. That was, a, that, that was quite deep, guys. We went there. We fleshed out the topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, what's our, what's I our time? I appreciate you guys. You I'm sorry. What was uh, what? What'd you say, Jordan? I said uh, I appreciate you guys as always. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get going here in a couple like in the next minute or two, but it's always good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, I think good. absolutely. I have been talking to you guys. I wish I had and, more time to talk, and I'm I'm super super backed up, dude. I've been, I've and and with that tournament putting me back two hundred dollars, I need. Uh, that's what I'm actually gonna go do. I'm about to go DoorDash right now and try and make some money, try and make, make the tournament funds back that I just spent. <laughs> trying nice. to get some more money back in my bank account. Nice. Um, all right. Well, we'll catch you next time, uh, Jordan. Uh, awesome. Frank, do you want to jump into it? Frank, we got about ten yeah, minutes left. What? What? what are, Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. Have a good day, guys. Take care. See you, Jordan. Yeah. So, just staying on this injury prevention thing. I mean, um, it's just like a lot of things in life. Um, Noah, when you when you gain an expertise at something, right? Experience is, I think, this would be my my definition of expertise right we say someone's an expert you are an expert on certain things with 
with the numbers and the accounting and you're going you're 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 adding to your expertise eventually when you get your jiu-jitsu black belt you're going to have a lot of expertise at that you're working with some data stuff you know and going back to get your master's with that so you're you're always getting that but when i think of expertise i think it's experience but it's also intuition and when we say intuition intuition this is my this is my definition i could be it could be you know people could disagree with it but intuition to me is a combination of a lot of things one it's your own instincts but it's also your experience your experience speaks to you it's, it's like it's almost like the experience this sick this this inner data that you've accumulated over 10 20 30 years is also saying in addition to your own instinct it's saying listen because Intuition by itself will probably make a bad decision, but intuition plus experience plus sort of mentally calculating and crunching says like, you know what, when I look at like some of the injuries I've gotten, I think sometimes, why did I, you know, like Jordan was saying, why didn't I tap sooner? Why did I even roll with that guy? I hate rolling with him. I've seen him be so rough with whoever. Why do I drill with so-and-so, right? There are people that I chose to drill with that are hard drillers, that just treat your limbs, you know, you're being a good partner and you're being a dummy and they're not respectful. They do their arm bars. They drill those hard. They do the wrist locks hard. They do the takedowns hard. And you're thinking, why did I choose to be matched up with this person for the drilling? So that's where our own intuition, our own knowing, because there's points that we're like, you know, there's a lot of people that roll with somebody before they got hurt. And they're like, why did I get matched up with someone? I've had times, remember I told you, after I got my jiu-jitsu black belt, within two or three weeks, I got my MCL torn, the medial collateral ligament. It was the third time I tore it, and it, and it was, uh, man, that, that ja- yellow jacket is still trying to get me. So when it, when, it, when it happened in my knee, it went, you know, my knee was like, you know, out, out to here. Damn, I hate these yellow jackets. So they've already gotten me twice. They've already stuck me twice. Um... So I got that medial collateral and it was a guy who came in from, from, from Texas. Okay. So I had never trained with this guy about my size. Wasn't anything special, tough guy, MMA fighter. Wasn't anything special. I've trained with tons of guys better. And I looked at it and I said, what did my role in it? Right. I could say, well, he did like a, um, a suicide, uh, um, like a suicide dive. Uh, what, what do they call it? A, uh, a scissor sweep. Okay. Which I, he dove at the knees, which I didn't expect. Kind of almost like a chop block in the NFL, which are illegal. And so they're illegal in the NFL, at least. So he did this chop block and took my knee out. Now, you know, so now my knee was literally dangling. When you, when you tear that MCL at, a, at, a, at, a, at a, like a grade three, right, like really bad, it, it, your knee, you're looking at your knee, your knee dangles. It's not like a click or like, ah, just the swelling. Your knee is almost like it's dangling, right? So it's like, damn. So you know that that's, you know, at my age, that was like, that was a two month heel, but that it took, so that medial collateral, the third time I tore it, it took two months about before I was able to train again, like the way I wanted to train. And it took another 10 months on top of that. So almost a year until I could do everything on that knee again, like certain wrestling shots. And, you know, I I had to favor that knee, even though it healed it enough for me to train at a high level after two months. For me to have full mental confidence in it and it to totally heal on the scar tissue, it took about 11, 12 months. So that's a long time. And then I thought, well, what was my role in that? The guy did kind of a cheap scissor block. I wasn't familiar with him. My role was this. I trusted the guy too much, right? I trusted him too much, meaning 
I should have just been like, I don't know this guy, and yeah. I'm just going to blitz him. I'm just going to dominate him. I don't know him. And I'm not even going to give him a chance to breathe. But I was kind of like, eh, you know, even flowy and just he's my size. He's nothing special. I underestimated him, actually. And I didn't try to be vigilant or try to dominate. And if I had dominated and, say, been on his head, head hunting, front, good front headlocks, take his back, he'd have never even been in that position. I wouldn't have given him. I wouldn't have. I was in more of a, um, you know, a little bit more of a playful or an underestimation mode. I was trying to be the nice guy. You're at our gym. I'm going to be really nice to you. Yeah. I don't know why I was. But I well. Did. Well, if um, I had to do over again, I would still have trained with him, but I would have went uh -huh. out to dominate him. I wouldn't have given him an inch. Yeah. I wouldn't have given him an inch. Um, and, and yeah, I've had some injuries from uh, – I'm sorry. I was going to say I, I agree with you. I've, you know, you, just going out on that limb with guys that you don't know that well and, you know, you just want to be nice, you get injured. Yeah. Um, there's only a couple of people – uh, where I will train like that with now and where, where I would trust them, you know, like I would, like I would trust Jordan, you know, if Jordan tried to do, to do any of the, you know, those funky, funky submissions that 10th planet has, um, you know, I would, I would, I would have a preset agreement with him. Like, Hey, if you don't do anything funky that I've never seen before, or you don't think I'm going to recognize and, and I need to tap early, get, you know, Start it, but 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 if you can pause it, pause it so that I so that I know, and then because I'm going to let I want I want to experience you know what that submission is, but don't do it so that I that I get hurt, you know you know let me know so I can tap at the right time. Noah, do you know? And you would appreciate this as a data guy. You're going to and I and I I got to go in five minutes. I got to okay. go in five minutes. Really quick, you're going to be a data guy. This would be a you're going to love what I'm about to say. Okay, as a data guy. Mm -hmm. You know what would be fascinating would be if they had a scorecard for Matt bullies and who hurts the most partners. If they ha if they kept a scorecard, like can we keep credit scores? Your reputation. Scores? That's yes. called your reputation. Yes. Yeah, that's that your reputation. Be, that a rep score. Fascinating. Yeah. Right. Reputation. Yeah. Your 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 BJJ training etiquette. How many training partners have you hurt? Um, yeah, it, that, that would be fascinating. Yeah. On the blockchain, of course. Right. <laughs> on the blockchain. Yeah. Anyway, um, on that, on yeah. that note, we, we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, a three day weekend. So get, get on to, mm -hmm. uh, to bigger and better things. And I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go and cycle here and, uh, cool. so yeah, good, good topic. And we will, uh, I guess we have one episode to make up, so we'll figure out. Uh, two, I think. I think two. Oh, I, yeah, because we're behind one. It's just so we can get what number of the week it is. You know, like if this is thirty, the 37th week of the year, uh, try to have, you know, 37 podcasts. We're, we're moving along. September already. You know, we're in September. Crazy. Yeah, we October, November. We're we're heading heading down to the last quarter of the year already. We have been doing podcasts for nine months now. After at the end of this month. Yeah, your your industry is getting ready to pick up here too, right? October. Yeah. Um, um, uh, audit and taxation. 
um, taking off. I've been, um, you know, that's part of why I got to stay on schedule. Um, the last two weeks I jammed in, you know, the CPA, you have to have 40 hours per year of continuing education. And because I was working a lot of auditing last year, um, I needed to make up 40 there. And then I wanted to pay it forward. And, and uh, my renewal cycle uh, ends end of May 2021. Uh, so I wanted to knock out 80 hours. And no, I've been busy. I've been busy. Uh, I knocked out my 80 hours almost um, for my continuing education. And now it's time to uh, well, um, work, work on a new business line. The beard, yeah, we got some things coming. We got some, you know, we got some some pretty good offerings coming for the everyman BJJ fan. The beard, the beard speaketh volumes. It, it's it's it, it speaketh yeah. volumes as Gosh. to you and and you know what it, this 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 is called. This is called in manifesting circles the law of the harvest, right? There's the law of attraction. There's the law of vibration. There's you know laws of karma, right? Getting back what you hold on hold on hold on. Hold on. I got this, this yellow jacket. I'm going to get him. You got him? All right. Are you about to? Smack. I heard a smack. I heard another smack. Hold on. There's, death, there's death raining down. On. I'm going to totally. Hold on one second. I'm going to get him. Okay. Yes. Got it. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I tell you, man, I've been sparing a lot of insects, but I don't spare yellow jackets. I have no mercy on them. They've gotten me twice. They've got a hive <laughs> out here. They're a public nuisance. I never knew how annoying. Anyway, we got it. Listen, but but what I was going to say is, yeah, you're, you're um, what was I saying, Noah? Well, we were talking about, but uh, we were talking about just being busy, law of harvest and law yeah, of attraction. Yeah, law of harvest. So meaning, yeah, you're you're planting a lot of really, you're planting a lot of seeds, and you're going to reap that harvest here in the next, you know, two, three, six months, one year, all of us. Because I know that you're working. I know how hard you're working, and I know Thank you know you. you've got a really good heart. You're always you're always helping me, and we've got each other's back, and. Um, I know that you're you're going to do some really great stuff here in the next six months to a year, and I'm the same way. I've been planting a lot of seeds right now, and being patient, but I, I expect to start reaping a harvest here. Um, you know, which is what which is what makes 2020 a really weird year because it's so challenging. The world's been flipped on its head. But it's got so much opportunity still too. It does. There's so much opportunity yeah. to grow and advance and. And we're gonna do it, man. So we're doing. We're working on some cool stuff. I want to talk with you in future episodes. I told you, yes, we're a jujitsu for life podcast, and we talk about jujitsu, how it helps, you know, jujitsu on the mat, and different ethical things and etiquette and protocols, and then the the, the application of jujitsu off the mats. But it, we have to definitely introduce people to more of your genius, more of your expertise with the numbers and the financing, because that's your, you know, you've, you've made a lot of money before you've managed a lot of money and it's just, we're, we're here to grow people. We're here to grow people as martial artists, like warrior poets. 
And so I want to pick your brain. I think a lot of people out there, um, a lot of martial arts practitioners could learn a lot by seeing life through your eyes. Like, hey, how can I be better with my money? How can I budget better? How can I do better with my taxes and, and my expenses, you know, and, and, you know, getting money back at the end of the year and documenting my expenses and all these things that, you know, that um, that are that are important to manage our damn life. Right. Like it's important. To know yeah. how to do that stuff. So, yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, retirement later on in retirement planning, and how that fits into being a lifelong jujitsu practitioner. Um, definitely, but I gotta go because um, I do have a schedule to keep. I got some stuff to do. But um, nice talking to you today, you and Jordan. Uh, episode thirty, say thirty-seven. No, thirty-five. I thought it was thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yes, that's right. It's thirty-five. Yeah, thirty-five. Yep. All, All right. right. See you. Signing out. Uh, no, bye, bud. All right. Take care. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.